how can we get more females involved in the technology space? Making sure that there's that exposure. That's the biggest piece. You know, it's not the, it's a programming kit, so I'm going to make it pink and then it's going to appeal to girls. Hello and welcome to Sinji's Talks, the show that brings great ideas and the people that have them together. I'm your host, Caleb Kinchlow, and joining me now today for this episode is Misty Garrick. She is the Manager of Digital Strategies for the Minnesota Society of CPAs. Misty, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. So how long have you been part of the, part of the organization? I have been at the MNCPA for 17 years. So wow, 17 quite years. Quite a while. Okay. Has it been in different roles? It has. I largely started out as a programmer on the website and I've taken on more of a strategic focus and implementing larger digital product projects. Um, I just implemented or led the implementation of our new AMS. So I'm now in charge of the database piece as well. Oh, that's interesting. Actually, we're going to go into that a little bit later, too, though. I want to know more about the NetForms, what you're working on, because that sounds really exciting. Um, but here's a question. So you've been there for 17 years. Now, when you think about, you know, CPAs, there tends to be a large misconception about what CPAs, what they do. Um, you know, there's a lot of memes out there, all kinds of crazy things. Um, so is there one misconception that you might have heard most or maybe one that you might have had prior to, to joining the organization? I think one thing that surprises me or might surprise others, obviously we have CPAs who are on our board and they have not been necessarily penny pinchers with us. Not to say, you know, they're just handing out money left and right, but if we come with a good business case, they're not ones to say, well, I don't know if we should spend that much. You know, when we went to them with our AMS um, proposal, they actually gave us more money than we requested because essentially they said, we've all been through these types of IT projects. They tend to go over budget. It's not a reflection on you. You know, we've all been through them in our business. So here's some extra money so you don't have to come back later and ask us again. So they're all willing to give to give money. They're not penny pinchers. And basically, as long as you have a good idea, your your numbers are solid and the product is solid, you know, they will help you out <laughs> with what you're Right. And that's, I mean, and that is their role as business advisors. You know, if you come with that good business case, then they're going to do what, you know, what they can to support you. And that's what they do for their clients, for their organizations. Now, I know that you're a bit more on the technical side of things, but can you give us like a, a broad picture about what does the... Minnesota Society of CPAs, what do they do on a, on a daily basis? So on a daily basis, uh, we're out to serve our members. We serve about, or excuse me, our membership is about 8,000 CPAs in Minnesota. One of the largest areas um, of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is continuing education or CPE for those CPAs. They have a requirement to take a certain amount of educational classes every few years. Um, we're also really trying to help them build their careers and build connections with their colleagues. So especially like in quarantine, it's given us some 
new opportunities. A lot of our members are in the Minneapolis uh, St. Paul area, but then we also have members outside of like in greater Minnesota. So we've had more webinars and programs that they can attend, you know, so the, out, the greater Minnesota members can attend the programs. So we're trying to connect members on a daily basis, or not necessarily a daily basis, but on a regular basis. Okay. Now, you know, with, with obviously with COVID, uh, you know, every organization has really had to make some adjustments. Um, what kind of adjustments have you all had to make, or if, if any, in terms of with, with your role? Oh. I mean, yeah, it has definitely been a period of adjustment for staff internally. I would say working from home, huge difference. I think we had in our for years we've been talking about a pandemic plan it became a disaster plan you know we were doing tests of if we had 20 employees working remotely could our systems handle it so from the technological side i feel it's been as smooth as it could be i don't think there were huge issues with the technology and i think we were comfortable with it i, I feel like that part went surprisingly well um, on the member-facing side, our, 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 we had to cancel all our seminars, so that was huge. But we did start doing more virtual education, and one of the biggest things we did was take a conference that typically has an attendance of 800 and move that to an online platform. So it was, it was a lot of stress. I mean, trying to take that big of an event and completely change the format and how we do it. But I think, I mean, it went as well as we could have hoped. I feel like we were able to turn on a dime, find a provider for an app and a platform to host the event, change the marketing, figure out how we want to, wanted to sell it in our AMS. It, it all came together really well. It, and I can say that as being outside of the project and just watching from afar. I'm sure it was not, it was not as fun as it looked from the outside. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting how a lot of organizations have had to do that, that pivot in terms of, particularly with, you know, if you're, you're doing a lot of in-person conferences, but then you'd be able to, okay, let's make it a digital conference. Uh, are there any projects that you've just been a part of, you felt like, but just been really significant? Yeah. So the, Two that I can think of, um, the latest one was we went from a custom-built AMS that uh, many state CPA societies were using to uh, more of an off-the-shelf system, which is uh, NetForum, which, a lot of, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Okay. So I was the project lead on that. We worked with a consultant who kind of, you know, took the reins, but I did the project management day to day and just and a lot of the business analysis piece of looking, here's all the functionality we have in the old system. Here's how the new system works. You know, what are we taking over? What are we leaving behind? And how are we changing our processes so that we can work with the, the new AMS and not against it? Okay. So for just for the people who, who, who actually might not know, can you kind of explain a little bit about what, you know, the AMS is and also how it works sure. with the net forms? Sure. So basically what an AMS is, it's an association management system. Uh, what I think it would be closest to in non-association organizations is a CRM. 
It's where we're including information about our members, contact information, what have they done with us, what have we sent to them, those sorts of things. There's a lot of other functionality on top of it. For us personally, it's events. We have, you know, in a typical year, we offer about 250 in-person events and thousands of webinars. Um, so it has all of those tools. We also manage how credits are awarded to attendees for taking those programs with us. So it's basically the love, the, all of the data we have about our customers is going through that system. Uh, so have you always been involved in, in marketing technology? Pretty much. Um, out of college, I had one other job. It was working for a marketing and publicity firm um, agency. And so I did website development. I did programming design. I also did a little bit of print design. So that's where I came from. And then I moved into this role at the MNCPA. What is it about marketing um, that, that really makes you interested in being a part of that? What I like about the space that I'm in is the creativity. I, I feel like with websites specifically, there's the design piece. There's how you organize content, how you think about that. There's the data piece of it and looking, you've all of these insights that you're able to look at and sift through, same with the database and figure out, I know this is what customers are doing, what can I, build on what can I do to facilitate a better experience. Okay. That's, that's a great answer, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> not like my other ones. No. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're all great. They're all great so far. <laughs> um, so with, with that in mind, you know, obviously, you know, in over the past, uh, really a few years, we've really seen a, a large push for women in technology, which is, I think it's, it's very important and very necessary. Um, as a woman who's been in technology for a very long time, have you had to, have you experienced any type of challenges or seen anything that you know you had to had to work through? I think the biggest issue I've faced or felt was being in that room where there's maybe one or two other women, whether it's at a conference. Um, uh, my background, I'm a math and computer science major. I was I was at a small school, but I was the only woman in my year in my program. Wow. And yeah, so it's just that not quite feeling like I, like I'm different. I stand out. And in some ways that's really cool, you know, like people want to talk to you, but at the same time, it does make you feel a little bit like I'm outside my element here. Well, so with that in mind, in your opinion, uh, how can we get more females involved in the technology space? I think it really starts with what kids are doing at home. I mean, for me personally, I got a computer when I think I was in first grade and it, I was really excited. And that was a big deal back in 1985. Um, you know, I started playing around with websites in 1993, and I think it's making sure that there's that exposure. That's the biggest piece. I think it's also finding, finding things that appeal 
to everyone. You know, it's not the, it's a programming kit, so I'm going to make it pink and then it's going to appeal to girls. In general, women like to work more collaboratively, whereas I felt like, especially in my college classes, it was very much about that one guy who can build the biggest thing and do the best thing all on his own. He's sitting in his room at night. So it's kind of like, how do you draw people into a process versus it being just a standalone? This is what I do on my own and I'm really good at it. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 I think it definitely makes sense. You know, I think, you know, particularly in the area of exposure, you know, I think it's, it's big. I like how you touched on that as well. I read something that said uh, exposure creates an appetite for something that you didn't know existed. Right. You know, so I think, you know, not just saying, hey, here's a, here's a device, it's pink, you know, and like, it, you know, but no, like, let's really talk about the importance of it. I think even showing other people as well. And I think, you know, right. looking at Google, a lot of Google's uh, executive team are, are female, which I think is excellent. You know, the movement of girls who code, all those different things are just very cool. And I think yeah. you're saying, showing that exposure uh, will create the appetite for more, more young girls to get involved um, in this tech space. Yeah, and even, I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is my boyfriend's daughter just turned 11. And one of the things that have drawn her in is just Minecraft. So she's just learned, this is how I do things. This is what I need to do to change this. It's things like as basic as learning all the computer menu systems to things like she couldn't get, um, she couldn't get on the right server and she just searched for something and was able to connect. And so it's not, oh, there's this box and I'm going to do computer things on it. It's, I have this game. I know what I want to do to improve at it or to have a better experience. And that's what's driving it. It's less about the technology itself and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you. That was, that was great. Um, so you, you mentioned the, the net forums. Um, how have you been able to integrate Sinji into that in any way? So we've done an initial integration. Um, so we can hook up, we have certain committees that are in our net forum AMS system and we have different mailing lists. So people can sign up for if they have an interest in individual tax or they're part of business and industry, things like that. So where we're, or where we haven't invested a lot of time is ma making sure that data is going back into the AMS, like really looking at how we're connecting activity in our community back to what are we promoting to members? What are ways to draw additional engagement? Uh, so from a, a technical standpoint, that's, that's really your, your area of expertise. Um, how, what was it like before uh, NCPA was using Sinji to now using the Sinji Connect tool, just the different areas of that? It's been so helpful. Um, where we were coming from, I basically found a piece of software. It was off the shelf. I got the code. I dumped it in. I customized it, which was great. I got it up and running. And then it's code that sat there for a long time. And then we went to upgrade it was just a fiasco. It was all customized. It was, and it was on me. And it was one of those things where I wasn't in it enough to really get good at it and understand how it worked and just keep up to date with it. And that was partially on me for not admitting where 
this probably isn't a good fit for what I'm doing. So it was so nice to go to what Nick and Sanji had built and have their team be responsible for all of that. And, and plus, you know, they know the system really well. So I've definitely seen where they've taken what we had in the old system or, you know, they've added additional features. So you said you just found, found the, the software. Why go with Sinji opposed to a, a different piece of software? Sinji had exactly what we needed. I feel like other systems had a lot of bells and whistles that I don't think our members would have used, but we still would have had to pay for. So Sanji was in that sweet spot of the things we needed, a really good UI, great customer support without being at that next tier of price and also not being, you know, the $700 software I found on the internet. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, so now this is the, the, the advice section. <laughs> Love this section, you know, um, looking back. So, you know, hindsight, you know, this day is always 2020. So over the span of your career, um, what's something that you wish that you had known earlier on that you could maybe go back and if you could go back and tell yourself, shoot yourself a, an email, <laughs> what would it say? I would say it's okay to fail. Fail early and often. You know, I was always one of those kids, got straight A's, you know, did really well, gotten into a good college. So I don't know that I necessarily prepared myself for there are things that I'm just not going to be able to do well the first time I do them. And especially with bigger projects. One of the first really, really big projects I worked on was we're taking our existing website, um, porting it from ASP to ASP.net, so in different programming language, changing a CMS, changing a design all of those things. And it was so much bigger than anything I had worked on. And it just, you know, it was so stressful and not necessarily because my boss was mad about it or, you know, I just was so hard on myself. So knowing that it's okay to ask for help, it's okay not to do it right the first time. And then also to admit where you're struggling you know, it's not, you're not weak, you're not stupid. You just need to say, you know what, I don't know how to do this well, and I need help. And making sure you find those resources of people who can help you. Wow, that's, that's good. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> that's, okay. that's good. Because, you know, you know I, I think, you know, we have this, uh, you know, I think society, we have this fear of, of, of failure. You know, because, yes. because I think there's a such a negative connotation associated with failure. But really, the truth is, you know, the more you fail, the faster you're able to, to learn um, how to be successful. Right. And I think even going back to what you're doing as a kid, like, I wasn't really involved in competitive sports. I'm a nerd. Who would have thought? Um, but things like that where you don't win all the time. You have to rely on other people and they don't always do things the way you would want to do it. It's that exposure piece. You know, are you being exposed to situations that challenge you, that you have to deal with things, just any kind of adversity? You know, again, I bring up my boyfriend and his daughters and 
obviously it's a very challenging time for children right now, but there's definitely things that they can learn from that is life isn't always fair. We do our very best and it doesn't turn out the way we would like to. So what, how do you process that emotionally? How do you not give up? How do you figure out, okay, I wanted to be here. I'm here. How do I get to the, the final destination I was looking for? Absolutely. So if people want to get more information or be involved, whether from a member standpoint or, the, or their CPA, uh, what do they do? How can I get more information? Sure. I would definitely, being the webmaster, encourage them to go to mncpa.org. Um, you can definitely learn about membership for people who aren't CPAs or in the accounting field. We have resources for the public. You know, you can figure out if you happen to be in Minnesota and would like to find a CPA, we have a referral service. We have information on doing your taxes. Um, and two, if it's something more where you're interested in Senji or you're interested in what you did, we did with our AMS or you're implementing a large technology project and you have questions, feel free to um, reach out to me. Excellent. And also those who are, who are listening on the podcast, we'll, we'll have uh, links um, on the website to everything that, that Missy has just mentioned. That way you can get in contact with her, get in contact with the organization as well. Uh, Missy Garrett, Manager of Digital Strategies for the Minnesota Society of CPAs. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. If you are looking for more great interviews like this one, or tools to build your organization's online community, be sure to visit our website, Sinji.com. We'd love to connect with you. And thank you again for joining us on this episode of Sinji Talks. <laughs>